Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. For the seventh time this decade, the US government is running into its debt ceiling. No, that is not a joke. It's not much of a ceiling if it keeps getting broken and raised, but that is what the US Treasury continues to do. And yes, for the seventh time this decade, the US government is approaching its proverbial debt limit. And with last week's very, very weak tax receipts from the American public is spending slows and incomes drop, the US government's date that it will have to either raise its debt ceiling or stop funding itself has been pushed much further forward. With these weak tax receipts coupled with ever higher U.S. Treasury rates, the government is running into massive funding stress and the clock is ticking on the debt ceiling. So what does all this mean? What are the implications for markets? Let's dive into it. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by Passport, the Bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use. Guys, this is the most gorgeous hardware wallet on the market. And when we say you already know how to use it, it's exactly what we mean. I mean, look at this. This looks like the phone that you've been using for years now. It's got a very, very familiar interface, very, very beautiful and bright display. Easy, easy navigation buttons, you guys. If you've been on the fence at all about Bitcoin hardware wallets and keeping your Bitcoin safe and off exchanges that are fractionally reserved institutions, Look no further, guys. This is the device for you. You can find it at the bitcoinlayer.com slash foundation and use code bitcoinlayer for $10 off your purchase. Now, back to the video. So first things first, let's talk about the tax receipts. And like I alluded to in the intro, they are very weak. They are very disappointing. To steal a line from the Zoolander movie, this was a tax day for ants. So the fiscal stimulus that blessed U.S. consumers throughout all of 2020 and into 2021 has basically completely run dry. By survey data and by actual uh, data on consumer spending, all of the fiscal stimulus is basically used up. And so as spending falls from U.S. consumers, but also as incomes fall, that means less taxes for the United States government. Of course, the U.S. government taxes both incomes and spending, and as both of those decline, that means government tax revenues decline as well. And also, reduced capital gains taxes are the story for the U.S. government, too. In 2022, throughout the secular bear market, the government has fewer capital gains to tax and more so capital losses to forgive. So it's taking all these capital losses uh, and tax forgiveness, and it's not actually taxing any uh, as much capital gains as it was last year. You could see the tax day was very, very disappointing compared to last year. Take a look at this chart. This is the U.S. Treasury's cash account at the Fed, or the TGA, and it increased by a paltry $108 billion on April 19th, which is a very lackluster tax collection compared to last year's $298 billion on tax day alone. Of course, all of the data still has yet to come in here, including some residents uh, in states like California that have extensions up until as late as the middle of May. But it's clear that the disappearance of fiscal stimulus, a decelerating labor market, and lower capital gains taxes have led to a much more disappointing tax collection day, much to the chagrin of Uncle Sam. So this adds to the already huge amount of funding stress that the U.S. government is facing. This year's tax collection is a measly one-third of last year's U.S. tax collection so far, and this adds to the already massive pile of issues that the U.S. government is facing. Many economists and the United States Federal Reserve itself projected that the United States government would be able to meet all of its funding needs into August or September. But with this very, very disappointing collection of taxes, economists are now shifting that timeline forward to June 8th. The debt ceiling will need to be raised by June 8th 
in order for the U.S. government in order to, to be able to fund itself. The Treasury, the U.S. government, won't be able to fund itself unless it raises its debt ceiling by early June. That date where basically the doomsday date has been shifted forward by two or three months. That's terrifying. If you're a member of the United States Treasury, you're scrambling right now. Uh, of course, this has happened several times over the last decade, but with the current ha House of Representatives and with the current uh, political regime, who's to say that we might not, uh, that we may run into new issues when it comes to the debt ceiling that we simply haven't faced before. And I mentioned this, uh, this adds to the already pressing situation that the United States Treasury is faced with. Well, what do I mean by this? Uh, take a look at this chart right here. This is the rate that the U.S. Treasury is paying on its debt now versus what the rate is that they will have to refinance at. And you compare the two charts here, the rate that the U.S. Treasury is paying now is roughly 2.06%. That's the average rate on all of its outstanding debt. But if you look at the rates that are on the uh, open market for traded U.S. Treasuries, the average is 4%. So it's double. And to boot, the, the Treasury primarily funds itself, well, at least it issues these types of debt most often, are three-month bills. And what's the rate on three-month bills? 5.06%. So the rate on the instrument that the United States Treasury mostly funds itself with is 5.06% when the Treasury has been used to paying out only 2%. That is huge, and that is much higher financing than what they're currently paying. And of course, this adds to the immense amount of stress the Treasury is all already facing. And if you'll take a look at this chart again, you could see uh, in the blue and yellow that the majority of this debt is maturing in the next three years, right? So 2023 through 2026. And the fact of the matter is, it will need to be refinanced at these much higher rates. And so the Treasury is faced with a dilemma. If Treasury rates don't come down, which at the Bitcoin layer, we, we have a feeling that they will, especially as inflation falls. And, and people jump into these safe haven assets as the recession looms, uh, then the treasury is going to have to pay out a much higher rate on its existing debt, which of course adds to the funding stress that the treasury is facing. So the treasury is facing this huge dilemma. How is the U.S. Treasury market reacting? Well, you can take a look at this chart here. The one month, one month forward treasury yield has skyrocketed to 5.77% almost a full percentage point above the federal funds rate. When the federal funds rate, of course, is the Fed's main policy interest rate that front-end treasury rates usually track. But the reason that they're not tracking it is because there is heightened aversion to the event risk that's posed by the debt ceiling that's slated for early June, as we know. And so investors are shifting their capital away from the instruments uh, that are maturing in two months, right, uh, at that June deadline, and they're shifting their capital into instruments that mature before that debt ceiling. Of course, the Treasury has never defaulted on uh, U.S. Treasuries before, but with all that uh, in mind, money market funds and other investors are not taking that risk, and so they're selling off instruments that mature in June, such as this one-month, one-month forward yield, and they are purchasing instruments that mature uh, sooner, before the debt ceiling deadline. Uh, you could see a more zoomed-in view here of this dislocation, right? So the one-month, one-month forward treasury yield usually tracks right in line with the Fed's interest rate target, and it is shot well above that because of the event risk posed by the debt ceiling and a very low likely... Uh, a, a very, the very low likelihood, rather, of a U.S. Treasury default. At the end of the day, right, we know there's no such thing as a debt ceiling for the U.S. government. It's merely performative, right? I'll give you guys an example, right? The timeline goes like this. The United States government sets an arbitrary limit on the amount of spending that they will do, right? So that way they can seem austere, right? If they say we're only going to spend uh, up to $25 trillion or $30 trillion, they seem austere, even though that is an, a completely unfathomable number for myself and basically every other American and every living person, right? Nobody, nobody has that amount of money or could fathom having that amount of money. But 
Regardless, they set that limit to seem <laughs> like they are savvy, like they're trying to save a penny for you. They, they aren't. Uh, the government, of course, are the, they're terrible capital allocators because they have no incentive to be profitable or be efficient. Either way, they set that limit to seem austere. And then in very short order, right, again, seven times throughout the last decade, they hit that limit. Uh-oh, what do we do? panic mode. What do they do? They go to the media. Um, they say, we are shutting down the government. You go on CNN, you go on Fox News, you go on all these different websites. And there's this big red line that says government shutdown two days, government shutdown one day. And all of this is just a strategy to scare the public and get them on the side of the government and raising the debt ceiling, right? The inevitable solution is to raise the roof. And so as to not generate too much public outcry from it, they shut down the government, right? To, to get the public behind them, and then they raise the ceiling, right? And become the heroes of their own wrongdoing. They essentially create this problem by setting a limit and then not actually obeying that limit and saying, well, you know, the government's gonna go into a frenzy. We're gonna default on our bills. Oh, the government always pays its bills if we don't raise the ceiling. And then the public gets scared, they get afraid. Most people are financially illiterate, so they don't know what that mean means, but they know that government shutdown sounds scary. And so then the government themselves swoops in, raises the ceiling and becomes the heroes of their own wrongdoing. But take a look at this chart here. The government only pretends to be austere. The debt ceiling has no ceiling. The solution they always choose is to raise the roof. We're going to pause here just for a moment to talk about our sponsor, Foundation Devices. Their hardware wallet, the Passport hardware wallet, is a beautiful, sleek, and very easy to use Bitcoin hardware wallet. If you've been put off by taking your Bitcoin off exchanges, Look no further, right? Bitcoin on exchanges gets lent out to other people. It's not really yours. And in the event of a bank run, because these institutions are not FDIC insured, your Bitcoin could be lost forever. Take Bitcoin into your own hands, be a responsible adult, and put it in one of these bad boys because these are extremely simple and easy to use. Not to mention, you, get, you can get $10 off when you go to the bitcoinlayer.com slash foundation and use code bitcoinlayer for $10 off. That's code bitcoinlayer for $10 off your passport hardware wallet. Now, back to the video. So there's one more chart that I want to show you guys for today, and that is the government's bank account, the Treasury General account of uh, its money that is held at the Fed. We'll take a look at that in just one moment. Of course, we know that tax collection was at embarrassingly low levels this year, and the Treasury is going to have to continue paying out these coupons at progressively higher rates. And as a result of that, the Treasury, the government, is burning through cash in order to keep the lights on. If you take a look at the Treasury General account, which is the Fed's bank account, uh, the Treasury's bank account rather, that is held at the Fed. It's almost run dry. There's only $252 billion left after adding in yesterday and today's and uh, tax collection uh, to the $109.21 billion Treasury General account balance that's shown in this chart. But if you take a look at this chart, uh, as I mentioned, there's only $252 billion left. Sounds like an immense amount, but frankly, it's not a lot. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, the government will swiftly run out of that money by June 1st. So this is the basically the doomsday clock. This is the uh, the sand in a vial uh, that is ever so slowly ticking down. And this is basically when the government, um, you know, when the government runs out of money in this Treasury General account, then it will have to raise its debt ceiling, which it will do. Make no mistake. The government's not going to default. It's simply going to raise its debt ceiling and take on ever more debt. What effect does this have on asset prices? Well, I'll, I'll delve into it a little bit more in the next video, but I'll give you guys something of a preview, right? Um, what we know is that the Treasury General account, of course, is a liability of the Fed. Anything that is held with the Fed, of course, the Fed themselves is a bank. And so anyone that deposits their money at the Fed, which includes the U.S. government, the Fed is holding a liability, right? And so the Treasury General account for the Fed is a liability. What else is a liability at the Fed? 
bank reserves. Well, and we know that as one liability falls, uh, another liability needs to increase in order for that asset liability uh, match to occur, right? So there isn't an asset liability mismatch as the treasury general account falls. And this is the generally weak correlation bank reserves rise, right? Bank reserves are the reserves that banks hold at the Fed, that Federal Reserve banks keep at the Fed. And so basically, banks have a bank account at the Fed, the government has a bank account at the Fed. As the government burns through cash at the Fed, bank reserves, at least at the margin, and of course, is a very weak correlation, they have to stay supported for the time being. We know that the Fed is going through quantitative tightening, where it's letting treasuries mature off its balance sheet, and bank reserves, uh, as a result of that, they're declining from the market. Uh, but for now, at least on net between large and small banks, bank reserves are supported. And of course, we know if you take a look at this chart here, that there is a correlation between bank reserves and the S&P 500. Of course, bank reserves themselves don't translate directly to equities. Uh, but the because of course, uh, bank reserves, you know, they cannot be used to purchase equities, they can simply be used to create credit. We do know that the credit creation and risk taking behavior that is enabled by higher bank reserves have led to a positive correlation between the two post COVID. Again, the S&P 500 and bank reserves are correlated, not because bank reserves are used to buy the S&P 500, but because higher bank reserves lead to more credit creation, more risk taking, and therefore risk assets like the S&P 500, they appreciate. That's where the correlation comes from. And so we know that as bank reserves, you know, they've been deteriorating, but they've been rising as of late. Once the Treasury General account stops burning through that cash and QT is still continuing at a pace of $78 billion per month, eventually equities are going to follow. Equities will puke eventually. But for right now, as the Treasury General account continues waning as the government burns through its cash and QT is still continuing, but bank reserves are stable, equities stand to stay stable as well. But over the coming months, as QT continues running off at a maximum pace of roughly $93 billion per month, and the, the government eventually runs dry of all this cash, eventually equities won't be supported. We know the credit contraction is well underway, where banks are stepping away from lending, they're creating less credit. Eventually with these falling bank reserves, then they're going to extend less credit to corporations. We're already seeing rising defaults, we're already seeing rising consumer defaults, and eventually equities will follow. But for now, at least over the next couple of weeks, couple of months, equities are ostensibly, because of these treasury general account dynamics I just discussed, they stand to be supported. So that's all for today's video, guys. I really, really appreciate you sticking with us to the end. Of course, make sure you subscribe and turn the bell notification icon so you're notified when videos come up. And in the next video, we'll talk a little bit more about those dynamics I mentioned with this credit crunch, what happens when bank reserves fall, and how it's already hitting the corporate sector in the form of rising defaults. But that's all for today, everyone. Take care. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by Passport, the Bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use. Guys, this is the most gorgeous hardware wallet on the market. And when we say you already know how to use it, it's exactly what we mean. I mean, look at this. This looks like the phone that you've been using for years now. It's got a very, very familiar interface, very, very beautiful and bright display, easy, easy navigation buttons, you guys. If you've been on the fence at all about Bitcoin hardware wallets and keeping your Bitcoin safe and off exchanges that are fractionally reserved institutions, Look no further, guys. This is the device for you. You can find it at the bitcoinlayer.com slash foundation and use code bitcoinlayer for $10 off your purchase. Now, back to the video.